Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Father, would you take your word and let the spirit that inspired this word, that guided and preserved this word, anoint and grant utterance to your servant. And let it go forth and bear witness in the life of every person in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been studying verse by verse the book of Philippians beginning in the first of the year. We talked about how somewhere around 59 to 61 A.D. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi, arguably his favorite church. Ten years earlier he had founded the church. When he got to Philippi, we went back to Acts 16 and we studied about the events that happened in Philippi, about how he met a Jewish woman at a prayer meeting named Lydia and how God opened her heart to believe. The next person he met was a little teenager who was demon-possessed and telling fortunes to make money for her owners as a slave girl and how the Lord set her free. Next, God sent an earthquake and got Paul and Silas out of prison and led them to the home of a pagan Roman jailer, and his whole house as well as himself were saved. He started the church with those three, and it grew and became a wonderful partner with Paul and Silas. We talked last week, and I'm briefly reviewing, how Paul reminded them, verses 3 through 6, that he constantly prays for them. Always, always they are in his heart and in his prayers. If you find a true shepherd, his sheep will always be on his heart and in his prayers. He is confident, verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? The Lord is not finished with you. Now you may have gotten sidetracked. Or you may have hit a big ditch, but God is not finished with you. He talks about how in verses 7 and following that he has them in his heart. And in verse 7, he says, you are partakers of me with grace, the same grace that I have. And remember, when he wrote this letter, he was in a Roman jail on his first imprisonment. He said, I am... You are partakers of my grace. It takes a lot of grace for me to survive this, but you are a partaker of my grace. How many of you know that when you partner with a spiritual leader, the same grace that God gives them is going to be the grace he's going to give you? Where did you see that? Right there. You are partakers of my grace, he says. So you better partner up with the right spiritual leadership. Then he says, I pray that your love may still abound still more and more in knowledge. That is, the more you get to know him, real knowledge, that your love will increase. The more you know him, the more you love him. When you know and discern who he is and what he's like, you then will love him more. And that you will start approving the things that are excellent. We talked about how important it is to be partnered with somebody 
We talked about in chapter 4 how the partnership that they had with Paul, he said, nobody has partnered, no other church partnered with me in the early days but you. Last time we talked about the peril that is in our culture and in our church all across the body of Christ. There is such in our world a spirit and attitude of, in, uh, of entitlement. That is, I want everything you can give me as long as I don't have to make an investment. There is no true partnership without mutual investment. And Paul said, you prayed for me. You have invested materially, financially in my needs when nobody else was doing it. You were aware that, look, I am a human being and you invested in my ministry. And in that context, he said, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There is sowing and there is reaping. There is investment and there is partnership. And we talked about that last week. I am asking the Lord, God, show me any area in my thinking where I have become entitled in my thinking so that I can, I can repent of that. Have you noticed that in our culture that a lot of our sons and daughters want to start where their parents are finishing? They are expecting to have what their parents have sacrificed and suffered for and invested in. They want to start where their parents are finishing. That is entitlement mentality. God will not eat, let you skip the process. Somewhere between A and C, you got to go through B. And people can make it as easy as possible, but eventually you're going to have to hit a ditch and learn to trust God instead of mom and daddy. That is not popular preaching. I hurt some people's feelings with that. But it is true. I've learned over the course of many years that the times that I have bailed out those who had a need, I did them no favors. Because the more I bail them out, the longer it took for them to come to grips with faith and obedience and relationship with the Lord. Now it is true that we are to help those that God has placed in our lives. It is true that sometimes you as parents, you have to act as a safety net for your children. And you know something? You need to trust God and you need to operate in his love and grace. And it, there are times when you are going to be a vehicle of God's 
grace for protection and a place of safety. But you are not their provider. Entitlement. Give us wisdom, Lord, and give us grace to do that. What the Lord finally taught me is I got to love people enough not to bail them out and keep them from going through what they need to go through to, for their faith to grow. At the same time, I need the wisdom to know that when they're going down for the third count, when I've got to reach in there and not let them be destroyed. There's wisdom. You've you got to have the wisdom of the Lord there. It's a balancing act, is it not? And you know what it all boils down to? Listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and doing what, can I tell you something? There are some situations in your life where there is no absolute book on what's right and what's wrong. You just have to listen to the voice of the Lord and do the best you know how to do. What I do is I ask God to give me the grace and to overrule my inferior choices. If I'm missing him, I ask you to overrule these things because I'm not trying to. But I'm just human enough that sometimes I miss the Lord even when I'm not trying to. I don't get everything right. Do you? The great thing about God is His grace is always at work even if Steve is messing up. Amen? He says in verse 12, I want you to know the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. We began this last time. Do you know that Paul is saying, I've been chained over here to these Roman soldiers, but my imprisonment has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. I hadn't left a one of them out. I've told them all that my chains are in Christ. That is, they have heard about Christ if you're going to put me in jail, you're going to have to listen to my message. Can I ask you something? Your circumstantial imprisonment, parents you're having to take care of, children who are wandering, business that is going haywire, in the pain that you are in, are your circumstances turning out for the furtherance of the relationship you have with Jesus? Are people learning more and more about what it's like to be in Christ by your circumstances, painful as they may be? Wow. Do you know that if you are in circumstances right now that have you in jail, you have the probably one of the greatest opportunities you're ever going to have to bear in your own testimony the grace of God and for others to come to have the opportunity to see Jesus in you. 
How are we doing with that? My circumstances have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. How am I, Steve? How am I responding to the circumstances I don't like in my life? Are they, are, is my story giving glory to God? I had an opportunity a few days ago. I had some very painful dental procedures with some things that needed to be replaced. I know uh, I don't particularly care for needles in my jaw bones. Do you? I had all this procedure done and all this preliminary work done and walked around. I, I came in and told Dina and I told uh, Daniel and Wayne, look, if I'm drooling, it's not because I'm intoxicated. I just don't have any feeling all the way to my ear. I got a call the other day, and I heard these words, Mr. Franklin, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but all of the temporary implants that we, the, the impressions that we've made are lost. I said, well, hallelujah. No. <laughs> you wouldn't have either. I said, well, help me understand here what you're saying. Are you telling me? that I'm going to have to come back and go through the whole thing from scratch. Yes, sir, I'm afraid so. Your pastor was really irritated. I know y'all are too spiritual for that. God gave me the grace I said, God gave me the grace to say, well, let me process that. She didn't want to hear from me right then. Let me process that. <laughs> so this last week, I went back and started the painful shots again. Here's what the Lord told me. And he had to say it pretty loud because I was not in a Bible reading praise mode. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said to me, can you believe this, Lawrence? Would it be possible that I might be doing something on your behalf because what you were going to get was going to be inferior to what I have in mind for you. And then he said, furthermore, what this is all about is I have chosen you to show grace to this group of people. 
Can I tell you something? Sometimes if you want in your circumstances for Christ to be manifested, sometimes you're going to have to suffer a little bit for it. I wish I could tell you, oh, it's all joy and bliss. No, it's not. When I walked into that office this week, people profusely apologizing, embarrassed, apologizing. God did a work of grace. Now, I wouldn't have chosen for it to happen that way. Can I ask you something? What circumstance of life are you imprisoned by that you can't in and of yourself, you didn't, you, you weren't responsible for it. Could it be that you have an opportunity now that for these circumstances that have imprisoned you for Christ to be manifested? Ask God to open your eyes and give you grace. Now, I'm not telling you that because you think I'm some superhero because I don't always respond that way. But I guess when you really begin to teach this, you're really put to the test. Do you believe it or not? I want you to skip down with me to verse 19. Paul says, and we read this earlier, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. By the way, can, can I, I want to stay on that just a minute. Do you know that it is your story that is going to give you the greatest opportunity to be a witness to the reality of Jesus Christ. It's your story. It's your story. Some of you have been through divorce. Do you know that that don't leave that out of that is a death that is painful. It is suffering. Don't you ever judge somebody going through that. You don't know everything. Do you know that part of your story is eventually going to have redemptive value to it? Many of you have been through financial brokenness and disaster. Many of you have been through disease. Listen, your story is going to be the magnet that brings others to hear about Jesus. Your story. One of the clues to what God's assignment for your life is, go back and review your story. What is it that God has been developing and writing about me through all these years? What has become part of my story? Now verse 19, Paul says, I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, he was incarcerated. He was in jail. Through, here's how I'm going to be delivered. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Louise Glenn gave us a testimony on this verse several weeks ago. Listen, go to school on this. I am going to be delivered through the Holy Spirit's presence the Spirit of Jesus Christ, would that be your surprise? Is there anything more difficult than being raised from the dead? If, if Jesus has the power of the resurrection in him, then the power of the Holy Spirit can give you the power to go through anything you have to go through. Amen. 
But notice what is partnered with the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Your prayers, the prayers of other people for you. Some of you are too private and too proud to let somebody close to you know that you've got a need so they can bear you up in prayer. You're missing deliverance. And most of us of the male species have a bigger problem with that than those of the female species. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see that you have ordained that not only through the resurrection power of Jesus in us, but through the prayers of other people we will be delivered. My, my. Notice he says, I'm going to be delivered through the earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. How many of you know Jesus can get glory whether it's through life or through death? For to me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is to die is see a lot of people think to die is failure no no for the believer to die is gain but notice what he says if I'm to live on in the flesh this will mean fruit for my labor yet what I shall choose I cannot tell I'm hard pressed I am having an internal pull he's saying I have a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better you know, I've told you many times over the course of these last several years, I've told you about my own heart cry and my own desire to depart and be with Christ 10 years ago. And the Lord would not allow it. Anybody else in here who've ever had a sincere, I don't mean just a thought, a sincere desire to depart and be with Christ? Raise your hand. Well, good, I'm not alone. That is not wrong. Paul, listen, if our whole life is in Christ, why would we think to depart and be with him is wrong? But he says, if I am, if it is my assignment to stay here in this body, I know what he says here, verse 22, this will mean fruit from my labor. I will produce fruit. I will bear, I, I will make a difference. And Paul says, I don't really know yet. I want to go be with Jesus, but I know to stay here right now is more needful for you. See that in verse 24? To remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may, me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul said, okay, now I know. I want to go be with Jesus. I know that to stay here and bear fruit is more needful for you, and I am absolutely confident in my inner man that it's my assignment to stay here.
I've told you my story over and over. Right before I went in for the surgery and right before a nurse came and said, you may not make it out of this, I looked at Dina and I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, I'll be, I'll be through this. I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere. God not done with me. Some of you know good and well that as much as you'd like sometimes to go and be with Jesus, you have an assignment here. You are a difference maker. There's something you have got to do to assist somebody else to fulfill their assignment. And you know something? Because the resurrected Jesus lives in you, you ought to fight death with everything you've got until the Lord makes it clear to you that you are released from your life's assignment on the earth and it's time for you to go. Now did you just read what he said? I know I'm going to stay here and stay with you because that's my assignment right now. I'm going to bear fruit. Do you know that in 2 Timothy 4, Paul said, and guess what? This was between 8 and 10 years later. Paul said, I'm done. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I have finished my race. He knew it. Now it's time for me to depart and be with Christ. I want to read something to you. Y'all didn't think I knew anything about technology, but I want to read something to you. Now listen very carefully to this. About death. For the believer, death, listen to this, it is God's love and mercy that lets us die. Otherwise, we would be trapped in a body of sin and suffering. Did y'all hear that? That was spoken to me by Mike Tribble at lunch one day, right here, one of our elders on our praise team. By the way, this guy's a terrific writer. You ought to read sometime what he's written in defense of the faith, answering some questions. Mike told me that he didn't know I was listening. I listen a lot. (laughs) And so I began to ask the Lord, you know, is that true? It rang true in my spirit. Give me some word verification of it. And the Lord brought me right back to this scripture. For the believer, to die is gain. And then he reminded me of this precious verse. I wrote it down for you in Psalms. Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God's looking forward to you being there with him forever. The only reason, the only reason you are still here is because you have an assignment to bear fruit, to go through this even painful time to bear fruit, to produce. There are other people that God has given you an assignment to invest in. So see, for the believer staying or going, living or dying, it's a win-win.
Amen. It's a win-win. Fight to the finish. But when you're released, you're on your way home. Let's all stand. Let's sing that chorus again, Jeff. He who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now next week we'll take up where we left off in the book of Philippians. Access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.